Bible, amen. And so we want to recap just r- real quick here a little bit, amen. When we began to turn to the epistles of John, and we know that these epistles were later in the church, amen. And we see here that, <clears throat> excuse me, in John, first John chapter one, John began to tell us from the onset about Christ. He says, that which was heard from the beginning, which we have seen in our hands of handle, of the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we declare unto you. Now, he tell us the purpose and the reason that he's writing this epistle. In verse 3 and verse 4, amen, there in First John chapter 1, he tell us the purpose and the reason. He says, I'm writing this, that one, you your joy, you might have fellowship with us, and two, that your joy might be full. Amen. That you may have fellowship with us and that your joy might be full. And those are the purpose for this epistle. Because you remember in Acts 2.42, the Bible says after they heard the message that they asked Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you is to your children and all that are far, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words did he testify and exalt, saying, Save yourselves from this untowards generation. And they that gladly received this word was baptized, and they was added unto them the same day about three thousand souls, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So they continued in what they had heard, and they became a part of the fellowship. Amen. And so the purpose, John says, is I want you to keep that fellowship. I want you to be in communion with God. I want you to know the value and the importance of what you really have so that your joy would be full. Amen. Because in his presence... Is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there is pleasures forevermore. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we need to have this fellowship with the Lord. We need to be in him, amen, so that it will continue. And the conditions for this divine fellowship, John says, here is that we must walk in the light. So that's why verse 5 through 7, John says in First John, He said, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So the condition to keep this fellowship is we've got to walk in the light. So my question this morning is, what is the light? Huh? The Word, right? The Word is light. Psalms 119, 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path, right? So the Word of God is the light. In the beginning was the 
Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So if the Word is light, and God is light, then where do we need to stay? You need to stay in the Word. And in order to stay in the Word, the light, you got to stay in the Word. Say. That's why James says, don't just be a hearer of it, be a doer of it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. That's why the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1, he said, don't ever let the, this word depart out of your mouth. See, you've got to stay in the word if you're going to walk in the light and have fellowship with God. You can't lay your Bible on the shelf and says, I'm having fellowship with God. No, you've got to get in the word of God, remain in the word of God. So it opens your eyes and open your understanding so that you keep that fellowship. Because the more you study God's word, the more you apply God's word to your life, you're going to walk continually according to the word. You're going to have fellowship with God. It's going to strengthen you. In Christ, and this is what he wants, amen, that divine fellowship with you. That's why when you take communion, what does the Lord say? As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. See, so we want to get into the word of God. We want to have this fellowship with the Lord, amen. So where is this fellowship? It's in Christ Jesus, amen. Just like they continue steadfast in the beginning from the onset. It is important that we have this light and walk in the light. That's why Jesus says in John 8, 12, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He told Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him by night, Amen. In John chapter 3, verse 17, he says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He says, here's condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds of evil. But everyone that doeth righteous come to the light that their deeds may be proved that they're works of God. See, you want to be able to see where you're going. Right? And so, and as a result of that, you've got to stay in the light. Every day, you should cover something new out of the light. Amen. That's why the psalmist says, open thou my understanding, they might be behold the wonders out of your law. See, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, amen, he walked into the synagogue, they handed him the book of Isaiah, he turned to the scripture, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach this deliverance to the captives, recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. He began to open their understanding. He said to them, today you will say to me, physicians, heal yourselves. He says, but I tell you, he said, there was many widows in the land of Elijah. You know, but only Elijah was sent to the woman of Zer. You know, he says, there was many lepers in the days of Naaman. He says, but only Naaman was healed. You know, he took them back to bring them some understanding of who he was. See, we got to stay in the light. Amen. What's your favorite scripture? 
<laughs> See, whatever your favorite scripture is, you should know it in and out. You should apply it to your heart because it helps keep you in the light. Because the word is the light. Amen. What promise did you pull this year? You know, those things should be yours constantly as a reminder. You should have it posted somewhere where you see it. Amen. Because why? You want to walk in the light. And this is what John is saying. As we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. See? And we can confess our sins. And they'll be forgiven us. He goes on here in the second chapter. Amen. As he begins to to talk in the second chapter here, he, he lets us know that we have an acceptance of Christ as advocate and propitiatory here. He says, you know, if we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In other words, John is saying, look, he says, I want you to realize you've got a lawyer. You've got a defense lawyer. Someone that's going to represent you before God. He's going to stand in the gap for you. You know, what better lawyer to have, man? <laughs> Somebody's going to take care of my problems for me, my intercessor, my comforter. Someone's going to come along beside me and, and, and encourage me and build me up. So this is what John is trying to get us to see here in the second chapter. And he talks about obedience is the test of that fellowship. Amen. We need to follow Christ's example. We have to obey or be obedience to this new commandment of love if we are going to abide in the light. Obedience is the test. Amen. You want to obey God's word. You want to obey the, the commandments of God, the things that God is saying. When Jesus says, on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets, he's saying, love God and love your neighbor. Okay? You do that. And you're going to fulfill the law and the prophets. See, we have to learn how to obey what we read and what God's word tells us to do if we're going to stay in the light, if we're going to walk in the light, and we're going to have fellowship with him. You remember what Samuel told Saul in Song, I mean, First Samuel 15, 22-23, right? When Saul just seemed to never want to obey. First Samuel 15, 22 and 23. He says, to obey the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fats of rams. In other words, you, to do what God is telling you to do is better than any sacrifice you can give. See, is what he's saying here. You need to obey what God is saying. For verse 23, for what? Rebellion it is the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he have rejected you from being king. Is what he's telling him here. So the obedience is the test. And so if we don't stay in the word... We're not doing what God tells us to do. Don't let this word depart out of your mouth. Say, you've got to keep his word. You remember what Moses told the children in Deuteronomy 6, 4, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you must love him with all your heart, 
your soul and your mind. And these words which I command you this day must be hidden in your heart, and you must teach them diligently to your children. You talk about them when you're in your house. You talk about them when you're in your way. You talk about them when you lie down. You talk about them when you rise up. You put it as frontless before your eyes. Write it on your hands, on your doorposts, and on your gateposts. All the things, he says, whatever you do, don't forget God. The whole book of Deuteronomy, when you read it, Amen. It's really a big encouraging book, you know, because all Moses is doing is he's got a new generation now. The old generation is dead off, uh, died off, excuse me, dead off. Where I get that from? They've died off. And as a result, the new generation is now coming on. And so he sees the need to remind them who they are, where they came from, and to encourage them to stay in the light to walk in God's word, to do what God tells them to do. That's why Psalms 145.2 says that then one generation shall declare to the next generation the glory of the Lord. Amen. We have this responsibility to teach another to stay in the light. That's why we constantly say, look, you need to go to church. You need to study the word of God. You need to be involved in the things of God. Amen. In order to stay in the light. Because he gives us warning here. And when you look at Deuteronomy 11, it's the same as Deuteronomy 6. He comes right back. He, he Between 4 and 11, he, he's putting in there the value of how much God really loved you. How much he really loved your forefathers. How much he really brings you out. So when you're reading that, you'll pick up on that, okay? And then in 11th chapter, he comes right back again. And he tells them the same thing as Deuteronomy 6 and 4 all over again. When you talk about God, you keep reminding yourself. Because the more you talk about God, the more you talk about God's word, what are you doing? You're staying in the light. Amen. You, you can, that's why if you feel like you're at your bottom wits in and you feel like you're sinking, you know, all you got to do is just start praying and talking to God. Start quoting scriptures to yourself. It'll pick you right up. You know, that's all you got to do. Thy word have I hid in my heart, so I will not sin against thee. You know, if you ever read Psalms 42, what did David say? As the heart or as the deer point fed the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. My soul thirsted for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Thy tears has been my meat day and night while they continue to say me. Where is your God? He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my heart in me. He says, I went with the multitude. He says, I went with them to the, the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude is kept holy name. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down within me? You know, he says, don't you trust in God? Don't you hope in God? He says, I will yet praise him who is the help of my continence and my life. He goes on. He says, deep call it upon thee that the Lord is thy water supply. He said, all thy billows and waves has gone over me. He said, yet, yeah, but the Lord will still direct his love and kindness. He will reward me in the morning and his song will be with me in the night. You know, and I will direct my prayers to the God of my life. Think about it. Because you got to stay in the light, John says, if you want to have fellowship with God. How much fellowship do you have with him? Early, the psalmist says, will I rise up and seek thee. 
Psalm 57, he says, my heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I would arise and give him praise. He says, wake up, psalmistry. Wake up, harp. Can you imagine talking to instruments? Get up. <laughs> You've been sleeping all night. Get up. We're going to praise God. Think about it. Rise them up to bed. <laughs> Get your kids up. Get up. We're going to praise God. Oh, dad, oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so obedience is the condition for divine, amen, fellowship with God here. Abiding in that light. We want to stay in the light. Amen. That's what Micah says in Micah 7 eight. He says, don't rejoice against me, oh, my enemies, when I fall. He says, I shall arise. He said, when I sit in darkness, he said, Lord, be a light around about me. You know, isn't it amazing? In Psalm 16, when Paul and Silas is in the dark dungeon, what happens? You know, they start praising God. You know, an earthquake. What does the jailer call for? Call for light, didn't he? Amen. You want to be able to see. But in amazing, Paul and Silas doesn't seem to be concerned about the dark dungeon. Because they know when you sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light around about you. You know, why are you going to sit there complaining and murmuring when you can praise God? God on the mountain is God in the valley. I think Psalm 23 says, even in the valley of the shadows of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Sometimes in our lives we got to believe what we're reading. <laughs> amen. So, amen. Obedience to this. And then John goes on here. It's, it's the message of a different class. In other words, in verse 12 through 14 in chapter 2, he's letting us know that this gospel is for everybody, no matter your age, from the children to the adults to the young people. It's for everybody. Amen. It's for everyone can have this same experience and walk in the light. Even Jesus says, suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. We become children of God. So everybody has the same opportunity. And then in verse 15 through 17, he gives us a warning against loving the world. And therefore, we need to realize, he tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the fathers of the world. And the world passed away in the lust thereof. See, don't put your stakes here. Amen. We're in the world. We're not of it. Insulate yourself. Insulate yourself. Amen. Pick out the good things you need to, for the kingdom and keep moving forward. Don't let the world keep pulling you and tugging at your heart. Amen. You can do this thing. You can have a lot of fun because God is good all the time. What did the psalm say? Springing up new life, growing in the sun, walking hand in hand and having some fun. Life is so, so good. Amen. Because God is. Think about it. See? So don't let the world tug your heart. Don't let the world keep pulling you. You know, this is not your home. We're just passing through. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, if they had been mindful of the city from which they had came out of, they would have, no doubt, had opportunity to go back. 
But what? Now they seek for a better city, country, that is a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Did not Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place, I'm coming back to get you. Are you ready to exit? Got your suitcase packed? Are you laying all your treasures up down here? Let's get out of here. <laughs> exit, stage right. <laughs> Amen. Curtains are going to close one day and be like Buzz Bundy. That's all, folks. <laughs> well, no, that was Elmer Fudd, wasn't it? Was it Buzz Bunny or Elmer Fudd? One of them. Elmer Fudd, one of them. Amen. It's going to be all. But we're going to dance on the streets of gold. Amen. We're going to rejoice in his presence. Amen. So we got to keep this fellowship. So John warns us not to love the world because there's so many scriptures tell us heaven and earth is going to pass away. It's going to melt with fervent heat. And I don't like fire that bad good that I get burned up. Amen. I want to be, I want to be ready to go. And then he tells us in verse 18 to 23 here in the second chapter that there's going to rise up Antichrist. It's going to be those that are against Christ. Then he says there's going to be apostasy. There's going to be those that are going to depart from the faith. And given heed, Paul says, to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They, they're going to go away from the truth. They're going to start denying Christ. Amen. And he says, and these are signs of the last times. And so you need to be aware of that. And so now here at the end in, in chapter uh, 2, verse 24 to 27, he begins to exalt us to abide in the truth with the assurance that the divine anointing will give all needed instructions here. Amen. We want to abide in the word. We want to abide in Christ. See, because John, Paul tells us in Galatians 3, he says, For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. Amen. He said, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. So we're in him. So therefore, to abide in him, amen, we got to stay in the light. We've got to stay in the word. We've got to continue to do what he's asking of us to do. Because there's going to be storms and winds and all matters of doctrine that is coming against you in these last days to try to pull you away from the things of God. That's why Paul says in Romans 16, 17, he says, Mark them which call offense contrary to the doctrine which you have received and avoid them. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness. He tells them, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers having each in ears, and they shall turn themselves away from the truth unto fables. But watch in all things, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of your ministry. Amen. There's going to be a falling away. You've got to get yourself rooted. You've got to get your 
stakes down, John says here. He's trying to tell us to how to how to continue to to make and keep our fellowship because there's going to be so much coming against you. You see it already today, what is coming against the church. You see things that are happening that we never thought would happen. But now you've got to get yourself steadfast and unmovable. As Paul told the church at Ephesus in the sixth chapter, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And having done all you can do to stand, he says, stand. Therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplates of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, Amen. And for me, that I may open my mouth to make known boldly the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to stay solid. We've got to stay in the light. If we're not, we've got to stay abiding in this word. If not, you're going to be shaken. That's why Ephesians 4, Paul writes to the church. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, he's given some apostles. He's given some prophets. He's given some evangelists. He's given some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the fullness of the stature of Christ, that would be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but must grow up. In him, who's the head, Jesus Christ. We want to grow in him, but to do that, we've got to abide in him. Amen. We want to abide in this thing. Because the winds are blowing. There's things trying to pull you away. Amen. You've got to stay solid. Notice what Jude says in the third chapter of Jude. I mean, Jude, excuse me, there's only one chapter, not the third chapter of Jude. But notice what Jude says here. Amen. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Amen. Remember, you are called. But to take that calling to be chosen it takes preparation. Amen. As I think I told you this, I always tell ministers to go from being called of God to being chosen by God is the earnest of your preparation. If you don't prepare, if you don't study, if you don't do what God is asking you to do in your word, you're not going to be chosen by God. Say, it's the earnest of your preparation. How much time do you prepare? You remember, you remember the, the story Jesus told about the, the, the king gave a, a wedding, right, for his son, and he invited people to come. What they do? They all made excuses. All right? They killed the servants. And as a result, what did the king do? He sent out people and killed them. 
But then he told his servants, he says, go into the highways and the byways and bid as many to come. And everybody gets an invite. But what happened? One guy shows up, not no wedding garment on. When the king sees it, he says, wait a minute here. How'd you get in here without a wedding garment? You know? And the guy was speechless. And the king says, bind him and cast them to outer darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why did he tell that story? You've already got an invite. There's a wedding getting ready to prepare. See, he's got a wedding being prepared. See, and you've got the invite. Now, are you getting the wedding garments on? Because if you don't be right when you show before him, you ain't getting in. You're going to be buying the white linen of the saints of God is righteousness. See, we've got to learn to be right. And as long as we stay in the light, as long as we abide in him, we're going to be right. Because at the end, you know what he's going to say? Well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord, which was prepared for you. Think about Joseph. Here's Joseph, you know. Joseph was sold into slavery when he was 12 years old, right? I think it was, no, 17, 17. He was sold when he was 17 years old. I don't know why you can't run at 17. (laughs) No, but 17 years old, he's sold into slavery. And when he's called to go before Pharaoh, he's 30 years old. That's 13 years. Now, how much of that 13 years was in prison? I don't know, but it it was quite a while. Because you stop and figure, he was in prison. The butler and the, and the butcher comes in, and and he interprets their dream. They get out, and it's another two years after before the, the butler realized, oh, man, I forgot all about Joseph. So how, how many years was he, of that 13, did he spend in prison? You know, it, it must have been a while because Joseph has grown a beard, and he's, you know, Dirty and nasty because he's in a dungeon. But when the king summons him, what's the first thing he do? He got cleaned up, right? He changed his clothes. He shaved himself, the Bible says. And he came to the king. He went from being called to what? Being chosen. Why is that? He prepared himself. He prepared himself to come to the king. See, we've got called, we've all been called. That's what God has did when we heard the gospel of salvation. He called us. Calvary speaks of better things. For as many as called. What did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. See, so we've all got this call. We've all been born again, we say. But how much are we preparing now for the wedding? Are we just kicking back? You know, coming as you are? Or are we getting junk out of our lives? If I stay in the light, it's going to expose all kinds of dark areas in my life that I can take care of, say, and get myself right. Because I don't know the day that you look at the ten virgins. Okay? What happened? They all got the same call. You know, go out and meet the bridegroom. They all went out. And notice what it says. All ten of them slumber and slept. 
waste time. Then all of a sudden, the call came. Hey, the bridegroom's going to go out and meet. They raised up. They trimmed the lamps. All of a sudden, the five foolish says, hey, uh, we're out of oil. Can you give us some of yours? He said, nope. Mm-mm. You got the same call. Sorry. You know, go back and buy it from those that sells it. They went back, and what happened? The Lord came. And then they came back, and Abdullah says, Lord, open us. And what he says, sorry, don't know you. You weren't ready. See, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds the future. <laughs> Amen. So we got to we got to be ready here. So John is is trying to excuse me, where where did I get off here? Amen. Jude, back to Jude. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exalt you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. In other words, stay in it. The common salvation. What was the common salvation? Acts 2.38, right? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. You see it throughout the whole book of Acts. It didn't change. Amen. Because Jesus told them that repentance and remission of sins must be preached in my name against all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So the common salvation took off in Jerusalem. Amen. And that's why they are told, see that you do all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. Amen. They had a common salvation. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and dying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance through, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he have reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth for an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignity. Yet Michael the archangel, when contented with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring railing against him railing accusations, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they now but they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily out the air of Balaam for reward and perished in the gangs of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, cared about of winds, trees whose fruit withered 
without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgments upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. But you, beloved, Build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. And of some have compassion, make a difference, and others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding Great joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So Jude gives us a warning. What's going to happen? Amen. So what? notice at the end what he says. But you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. You must abide in him. Amen. God is love. And so you've got to stay in that love and not these Waving waves and these winds, amen, and all this false junk is going to pull you. It's going to tug at your heart. It's going to do everything it can to separate you from the love of God. But what does Paul says? Who shall separate me from the love of God? Amen. So tribulation, persecution, nakedness, peril, or sword. He says, as it is written for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. No, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all these warnings, that's what it's all about. That's what the epistles is all about. Warning and how to stay in God's love. How to live as a Christian. How to be a Christian. Amen. And to serve God and to be ready for the coming of the Lord. You've got to abide in this thing. And so John says, and I'm bringing this to a a close here, verse 28 and 29 in in this chapter 2. He's talking about abiding here. You know, he, he says, <clears throat> excuse me. He says, and now, little children, verse 28 and 29, abide now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 
You don't want to be wondering, oh, did I, did I get this right? Was I tithing when I should have been tithing? What I, was I reading? Was I studying? Was I doing what I should have been doing right? You don't want to be afraid when it's time for you to get out of here. You know, you want to have confidence. <laughs> Man, you, you, you should be ready to say, out of here. Yeah. Get your little step across. <laughs> you know, you know, you want to be ready. You want to be excited. You know, I'm out of here. Yes, Lord. My goodness. You, know, you want to have confidence. Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, he says, I am confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, he says, cast not away your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He said, for yet in a little while, he that will come will come and will not tarry. Now the just have got to live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back to perdition. We are them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. Amen. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Amen. So John says, little children, abide in him. Amen. Know him. Amen. So that you are not, you have confidence. You are not ashamed. Before him it is coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Amen. You live in him. Stay in him. Serve him. Love him. Amen. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. And we'll be part of that light. We'll have fellowship with him. And our joy will be fun. Amen. Life is good all the time.